Hi, ladies. Thank you for being leaders in your Bible study groups. Get your green highlighter and green pen so that you can underline some important statements and make notes to help you lead ladies in a meaningful discussion of God's Word. Let's delight in studying and sharing the precious words of the Lord to us. This is the Leader's Guide for Believe in Me, Luke 22 through 24. I will be going over lessons 8 and 9 in this session, and I am starting on page 50. I just want to say thank you for leading your groups through these lessons. It is a delight to sit in on groups and hear you leaders and hear how the ladies respond. So that was just on my mind as we were beginning here. At the top of page 50, in this lesson, we will see Peter denying Jesus. In the first paragraph, uh, we have the potential to be just like Peter, but Jesus will never leave us, forsake us, or forget us. And then I think we might as well highlight that uh, the gospel writers show us that Jesus' warning came true in its entirety. And they also give us enough information to make us realize that we need to learn from Peter's forgetfulness. So the first thing was a review, Peter's actions and comments. We looked at that. I think it might be easiest just to go around the circle, get started. This is looking at the verses and recording what these verses said. So hopefully that's not too intimidating for ladies. Uh, so just go around the circle. Luke 22, 8 and 9 and 13. Peter and John were told to go to prepare the Passover. They obediently said, where do you want us to prepare? And they went and did as they were told and prepared the Passover. So Peter did all these things the right way. We didn't see any argument. They went and did it. And uh, Luke 22, 22 through 24. This is because all of the disciples are asking who's going to betray Jesus so we can assume that Peter is asking this question and the disciples argued among each other so we can assume that Peter's arguing with them <laughs> who's who should be considered the greatest the next one Luke 22 31 through 33 Jesus said to Peter Satan has demanded to have you to sift you and Peter said, Lord, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. So we really hear Peter's enthusiasm, his desire, he, his confidence right there. Jesus said, the rooster will not crow this day before you will deny three times that you know me. Um, that one really actually stood out to me because of the this day. And to think of Peter hearing that. Remember, the setting is at the Last Supper. They're still in the upper room. Um, not sure whether that, um, whether they've had the meal. Not sure whether they've had the New Covenant blood uh, cup of wine and, and bread shared. But it's nighttime. And Jesus is saying, this day. So in this day evening it's coming very soon it's an interesting note about timing as well because it's definitely said at night 
and it is for the Jews. I know I'm belaboring this point now about days, but timing gets to be like, what's going on with timing when we're in? Um, anyway, it's happening right away, and that's my point. Peter would have heard that this, I, Jesus is telling me I'm about to do this very soon. All right, moving on now. Luke 22, verse 38. Um, the disciples, and it says, they said, like, here's our swords. We have two swords. They said. So I'm just saying, Peter, I, I use this verse because Peter was among those disciples who had swords. And we know that Peter pulled out his sword. So he, um, we know that from our last um, so from somewhere in here, <laughs> I can't, uh, anyway, oh yeah, because it happened in the garden, so, um, it had not happened yet in Luke twenty-two thirty-eight. sorry, I know I'm kind of sounding very scattered, I don't intend to, let's go to the top of page 51, Luke twenty-two forty-five and 46, Jesus found the disciples, including Peter, sleeping from sorrow, this was in the garden while Jesus was in agony. And Jesus said to them, so that included Peter, rise and pray lest you enter into temptation. Uh, Peter didn't say anything, but we're getting Peter's actions there in this one. He's asleep. Uh, in Luke twenty-two fifty, now you know this happened. One of them, Peter, cut off the ear of the servant of the high priest. Um, so that happened in the arrest so we're kind of going back and forth between the whole evening of what has happened and the time frame, which is why I've gotten a little confused. In Luke twenty-two fifty-four, Jesus was arrested and led to the high priest's house, but Peter followed at a distance. Now, here we go. How would you summarize Peter's commitment to the Lord based on all of these verses? So that's a review of Peter's involvement in the past um, almost day. And um, talk about this with your group. Tell them, let's discuss this. How, what, what was Peter's commitment to the Lord? So we see things like him being totally committed in those first verses. He's close to the Lord. He's obedient. He's doing what he says. But then he's arguing with other, other disciples. Is he short-tempered? Um, I put um, that perhaps he was naive. Um, just, just because uh, he didn't know exactly what was coming. And he also, I mentioned this already, was quite confident when he said, I'm ready to go with you to both prison and death. That shows us that he thinks he is totally committed. Because of his sleeping, I said, maybe he's undisciplined. I was just trying to look at each one and see what that might tell me about Peter. And um, also... We might be able to say he was self-focused when he was saying, um, who's the greatest? And I'm one of the greatest disciples. So as I looked at all of this together, in the very first passages, Luke 22, 8, 9, and 13, we see, we see really good stuff. 
And we see him saying he, in verses 31, 32, 33, he's ready to go to prison and death. So his, he knows Jesus. He, he wants to do the right thing. But um, he needed to be sifted. The Lord knew that. And I'm definitely relating to Peter in all of this. It's like, I want to be with Jesus, but I know I make a mess of things too. Well, let's look at the stages of Peter's denial. We see the first stage of Peter's denial occurring before he opened his mouth. I put number one and number two next to my questions just to have a visual reminder of those things. How did Peter follow Jesus according to Luke twenty-two fifty-four? Anybody could answer this question. It's at a distance, not right there close by. He is following him. So that's, that is good, but it's at a distance. The second stage of Peter's denial occurred before he was recognized as one who had been with Jesus. Now, this may have been interesting. I hope so. Who did Peter sit with? According to Luke 22, 54 and 55. He sat with those who kindled a fire in the midst of the courtyard. And who were they? Who were the ones that kindled the fire? Well, these would have been like the servants, maybe the temple guards who had arrested Jesus and brought him there. And there could have been some Roman soldiers there. All this is happening in the courtyard of the high priest's house, his villa. And he is outside with these people who are against Jesus. So we considered this question, what warning should we heed from his behavior at this point in time? Um, and the truths of Psalm 1-1 and Proverbs 13-20. So hopefully that brought some attention to the ideas here. Don't walk with the wicked, stand with sinners or sit with mockers. Psalm 1-1. Uh, Proverbs, he who walks with the wise will become wise, but a companion of fools will suffer harm. So then what's the summary? How do you put it in your own words? Watch out. Be careful. Uh, pay attention to who you're hanging out with. Who are you really sticking with? So at the top of page 52, sadly, we see Peter's passive denial in those first two things, following at a distance and sitting with the other people. That passive denial turned into a verbal and vehement denial of knowing Jesus. With this chart, not a hard chart, let's get three different ladies and answer one row at a time. So someone take the first row, uh, tell us about the servant girl. Um, I just also noted from Luke twenty-two fifty-six. She saw Peter sitting at the fire and she looked at him and she said, this man was also with him. And Peter's, um, if they looked at John 18, which they could have if they wanted to, that one said, you're not also one of this man's disciples, are you? And um, Peter's denial in Luke was, he denied him, Peter denied Jesus, saying, Woman, I do not know him. And um, those are not contradictory uh, statements 
from John and Luke. They work together just fine. Um, then in the second row, another lady can tell us about the another servant. After a little while, another saw him. After a little while, even that tells us that this first thing happened. It didn't make Peter change his movement. Um, so this next servant says, you also are of them. And Peter says, man, I am not. And the third row, the servant of the high priest who had seen Peter in the garden was a relative of Malchus. So the um, news about Malchus and his ear, all this is traveling very quickly. People know what's going on. But this one says, after about an hour had passed. I mean, if you think about it, like after an hour, was Peter, did he fall asleep again? I, we don't think so. But to... Does he even realize that he's denied Jesus this first time and the second time? And now it's been long enough. It's not like boom, boom, boom. Within one minute, he does it three times. This is over an hour. So another confidently affirmed, surely this fellow was also with him for he is a Galilean. So they recognize Peter's accent or mannerisms or clothes or something. He was obvious or maybe he smelled like a fisherman. But he hadn't been fishing for three years. So um, unless he normally caught fish to feed them as they were traveling around. Anyway, Peter denied this and said, man, I do not know what you are saying. I'm not sure, but I would I have not looked at what exactly that means in our vernacular. But I think it would be like, I don't know what you're talking about. So just a, a denial. Like, no. Leaders read the verse at the bottom of the page after there any more conversation about the um, chart. So as your conclusion of this page and transition into the next page, read the verse at the bottom of the page and then ask the question at the top of the next page. What did Peter do next? According to Luke twenty-two sixty-two, he went out and wept bitterly. And then leaders, there's a lot that I've highlighted to draw attention to just as summary and moving and getting ready to go. And if it's already come up some, then if you don't feel like you want to read it, that's fine. But I've highlighted these things. Peter heard the crowing rooster. He saw Jesus looking at him. Next paragraph. Peter would have grieved his own terrible denial. Right below that, he would have grieved when Jesus looked at him. And below that, he would have grieved at Jesus' appearance. Because while Jesus, while Peter was in the courtyard, Jesus had been bound, beaten, and spit upon in the so-called trial by the Sanhedrin. You know, we're going to talk about that in the next lesson. So we're just uh, mentioning that. And then continuing on, Peter had not defended Jesus. He had not stood close to Jesus he had not put his life on the line for Jesus like he said he would. So there's now we're getting personal for us. There's no doubt that Peter's denial is a life lesson for all of us. Consider the escalation in his behavior and words. What should we be on the alert for in our own lives? And here we're considering what should we 
not do. So what did Peter do? And we shouldn't do the things that Peter did. So talk about this. There could be a variety of answers. There's not just one right answer. And this is a time to um, remind ourselves and we're really encouraging each other as well while we're talking about this. We need each other. We need to encourage each other. So I said regarding Luke 22, 31 through 33, don't be overconfident in our own strength. And then regarding the first stage of his denial, which was Luke 22:54, at a distance, I said, don't fall back. Don't stay away. I also put it like this. Don't dilly-dally. Don't get distracted from Jesus. Don't lag behind. And um, then regarding the second stage, which was Luke 22, 54, 55, don't hang out with the wrong, the wrong crowd. I also put, don't skip church and don't isolate yourself. Then the third stage, I put third, but um, I guess what I was thinking is everything that he said in the chart. That's the kind of the third stage. Um, don't lie. So he's like, I don't know him. Well, yes, he did. Don't lie. Uh, don't rationalize. We don't really see Peter doing that unless that's what he was thinking in his head somehow. I also put, don't hide your light under a basket. That was, so, anyway, we could put, you could say, don't deny him. But I was trying to think in other ways to express that, what we should not do. Now, on the other hand, what did Peter not do that we should do? What should we do? Again, variety of answers are um, good here. So let's talk about it. I put, we should ask the Lord to keep us close and dependent and not be self-sufficient. This is abiding in Christ. We know we're supposed to do that. Keep our eyes on Jesus and his honor and his reputation and make him known and be about him, and it's not about me, and um, stay close to him, walk with him, abide, that's where I actually put that word, experience his presence in our suffering, know his presence through the Holy Spirit, we know that he is with us, so we're with him, and he's with us, instead of following, falling behind, lagging behind, staying at a distance, stay close. And then I also put, stay with Jesus people and your um, support group, your believers who know him, who want to stay close to him. You can say, come on, keep up, come with me. So talk about those things. And at the bottom of page 53, a transition after discussion could be, the very last phrase there. Peter knew the importance of remembering and being reminded. And he talked about this at the top of page 54. So ask someone to read that passage and emphasize the word remind when they get to it. And they will do that. So Peter emphasized we needed reminders. He said he, he reminded us three times. What were these things? 
things that Peter reminded us of. So we look a little more at that. Second Peter 1, 5 through 7. That's not in the passage. So you have to look outside what's on your page. But this is that list. Giving all diligence. Be diligent. Add to your faith virtue and knowledge and self-control and perseverance and godliness and brotherly kindness and love. And if you think about each one of those with what Peter went through in denying, can see that those are things that will help us uh, not deny Jesus. Okay, what happens when we live according to these things, according to 2 Peter 1.8? If these things, that list we just had, are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You will know him and you'll be fruitful in knowing him and not denying him. What is the warning in 2 Peter 1, 9 and 10? He who lacks these things is and could this be a test personal testimony of peter perhaps short-sighted blind forgetting um now at that point peter was uh, well uh was peter clean when he denied jesus yes because at the last supper jesus said you are clean um, so he even understood that jesus forgave of sins he was a new man after he got off that fishing boat when he was called as a disciple growing in his faith and understanding it's all kind of a transitional stage of being a disciple, seeing Jesus, hearing who he is. And they still needed the Holy Spirit, but there was a work that was going on. <laughs> and I, it is, it's challenging for us to think about the disciples when they were with Jesus, when Jesus was alive. And would we call them believers then? Well, yes, except they didn't have the Holy Spirit having made them the new creation who was to so he was to come and that makes that a little bit difficult to explain in our language of what we're familiar with today all right so um the other warning was be even more diligent to make your call and election sure if you do these things you'll never stumble and the close of our study of Peter's denial was to consider who are you with. So would anyone want to share how they answered that question? They might have just said, I am with Jesus. Hooray if they said that. And if somebody speaks up and says that, like, yes, me too. Did anybody say it any other way that they wanted to share? So um, give an opportunity for that. And... Uh, if you leaders have something you want to share, go for it. I want to share with you what I said just in closing here that you can share if you want to, but you don't have to because anyway. So I said, I am with Jesus. And then I just started writing about who he is. I, so I am with Jesus. He's God, Savior, Friend, King, shepherd he's the true vine he's teacher he's the way the truth and the life so i i think i also 
might have wanted to declare who Jesus is rather than deny who he is as I got to that lesson. And I did end in prayer. Next, we're going to consider in lesson nine, the illegitimate Jewish trials. So page 55. The Jewish religious leaders who considered themselves experts in the law became guilty lawbreakers as they tried Jesus. At the bottom of the page, Luke emphasizes the identity of Jesus and his rejection by the Jewish leaders. But I'm like, he emphasizes the identity of Jesus. Well, we're going to look at somebody else's identity first. At the top of page 56, who were the men? holding Jesus in custody, according to Luke 22, 52 and 54. Where was Jesus being held? So two things are being answered here. Who were the men? You had to look around, maybe look back a little bit, I think. But they were the chief priests, the captains of the temple, the elders. All these, this group had taken Jesus into custody. You could say it was the captains of the temple because you can imagine, like, that's the temple police. They're the ones... The guards, the one who's, who would have had the, what, chains, ropes? I don't know how they um, arrested and bound Jesus. Probably ropes, right? And where was Jesus being held? Held in custody at the high priest's house. This is a house with a courtyard it's often called a luxurious villa. I mean, a house with a courtyard in those days. It, that was a place of, like a palace. Not, not a king's palace, but the high priest's palace. A very fancy place. Um, so the chief priest and the elders would have been the authorities and the temple police guards would have been the ones um, handling Jesus. And again, the Roman soldiers might have been there overseeing. But once Jesus was taken to the um, high priest's house, maybe they said, okay, we don't, y'all don't need us anymore. I don't know. They're not actually mentioned. The Roman soldiers are not mentioned here. But they were in the garden. So <laughs> the chief priests, captains of the temple, the elders, um, what did these men do to Jesus according to Luke 22, 63 through 65? They mocked Jesus. They beat him. They blindfolded him. They struck him on the face and said, prophesy who struck you and blasphemously, yeah, blasphemously spoke against him. Remember, this is dark at night. There's a fire in the courtyard. Jesus is not right there in the courtyard with everybody. And as I was reading about that and just thinking about it, I remembered Jesus could have stopped every bit of that so easily with a word, with a whisper, with his hand up. Um, oh, I mean, he had the authority to do it and he didn't. This was exact, what happened to Jesus was exactly what he had told them already, uh, told his disciples. What did Jesus declare in Matthew 16, 21 
and Luke 18, 31 through 34. In Matthew, he said he must go to Jerusalem, suffer things from elders, chief priests and scribes, and be killed and be raised on the third day. And in Luke 18, we're, uh, Jesus said, we're going up to Jerusalem. All things, um, something, son of man, will be about the son of man will be accomplished. He'll be delivered to the Gentiles, mocked, insulted, spit on, scourged, killed, and on the third day rise. <sighs> mocked, insulted, spit on, scourged. So now we were thinking about who the temple guards were. They were Jews, um, and they were hateful. And we looked at the word blaspheme, the Greek word blasphemeo. The definition is to vilify, to speak impiously, impiously, to defame, to speak evil of. So this is wickedness on display. Evil. It's just evil. The top of page 57, some things we should consider in the light of this behavior. What is the root cause of the world's mockery against Jesus? There are a lot of ways, a lot of different ways to express this. You can say sin nature, depravity of man, evil heart, rebellion against God, selfish pride, um, a hatred of God, uh, unbelief. So um, they, it's... You know, it's evil. It's wickedness from within a man because he's born that way. And he is at enmity with God. Is there any attitude, action, or word in your life that slanders Jesus' reputation? Um, Peter denied Jesus, but these guards were slandering him. We don't want to do either one. So um, I just noted or realized that I can have attitudes, bad attitudes at times that would slander Jesus' reputation when I'm doing something that's like all about me, me, me. And uh, my actions, they're Sins can show up, pop out that taint my witness and therefore taint the goodness and glory of Jesus. And I don't want any of that. And I want quick conviction. And then I hope that uh, God will use that for good to show that he is a forgiving God. And I don't want to slander him. In the middle of the page... For review, we noted the goal of the Jewish leaders, according to Luke 22.2. They sought how they might kill him. So now we're moving along to how these Jewish leaders are talking to Jesus, what they've been doing. When the first blush of light arrived, it was finally daytime, and that was when the trials were supposed to be held rather than at night. What action was taken by the Sanhedrin, according to Luke twenty-two, sixty-six? It says, as soon as it was day. So that's the first blush of light. As soon as it was day, the elders, which include both the chief priests and scribes, came together 
and led Jesus into their council. So they're moving him from the high priest's house to this other place, which I have described at the bottom of page 57. It's during the day, a public place. It's probably the temple complex. And um, the council met at a place that I have learned was called the Hall of Hewn Stone. This was a new um, place that I had never heard about. But it is uh, the council of the Sanhedrin at the temple complex. And they continued their charade of justice. At the top of page 58, what did they demand of Jesus according to Luke 22, 67? Um, if you are the Christ, tell us. So I don't want um, to get, I should have mentioned this just right before that, asking that question. At the bottom of page 57, if people are like, What's this hall of hewn stone? I want to, you know, get this like little picture in my mind. Some may have already looked ahead. But on page 71 is a map of Jerusalem. And you have a map noting the high priest villa. Well, it's got it all now. It's got the Garden of Gethsemane. It's got the high priest villa. It's got the temple complex. And they have a place where the hall of hewn stone could have been. Nobody really knows exactly where it was. But the, um, the temple complex, where you see the word temple, it's that whole area. And if you see the thing that looks like a sideways capital T right in the middle, that is very specifically the temple with the Holy of Holies in it. So like the little square in front of it is the altar to offer the sacrifices on. Uh, so this hall of hewn stone was up in the whole great big area of the temple complex. So I'm not trying to make this a big deal. I'm just showing you there's some information in this workbook. There's a picture, a map. If people are like, could you tell me more? There you go. Now I'm going to go back to page 58. So um, let's focus on what they asked Jesus and the rest of this, because all of this is a big deal. They said, if you are the Christ, tell us. Now imagine hearing this in the Aramaic or if they were speaking formal Hebrew. Are you the Messiah? Mashiach? Tell us. Are you the anointed one? Are you the king? That's what they're asking Jesus. So this was a political question. And if Jesus said that he was the Messiah, they would have considered this his personal testimony of being in opposition to Rome and to Caesar. So this is exactly what the uh, Jewish leaders needed Jesus to say. They needed his own mouth to admit, I'm king. Jesus didn't do that. Uh, what did Jesus say in response to their question? According to Luke 22, 67 through 69, he said, If I tell you, you won't believe. If I ask you, you won't answer me or let me go. And hereafter, the Son of Man will sit on the right hand of the power of God. Um. I'm just thinking that 
the way that Jesus answered questions sometimes has in my past been confusing to me. Like, why didn't he just say it outright? Why did he ask with uh, another question? Or why did he say it um, the way that he did? Why did he answer the way that he did? And it has helped me so much to understand things like we're looking at right here, right now. has helped me so much to understand the background of what the religious leaders were after. And Jesus didn't give them what they wanted. So he wasn't trying to be uh, a smart aleck. He wasn't trying to have a, a strange answer or be elusive. He was totally aware and wise and and only giving exactly the right information as he knew was what was necessary. And it also, like we can see this one, if I tell you, you won't believe. Oh, that had to grieve him to say that too, to these leaders. But I hope that afterwards they thought about what they heard from Jesus and saw from Jesus. And I hope they did come to belief. I'm sure some of them did. Just don't know which ones they are. Um, On the bottom part of this page, leaders. I think you should read the one, two, three, four. Jesus made several claims about himself in his extremely significant and revealing statement. He's the son of man. He'll be seated at God's right hand in the heaven. In heaven, he has authority because he will be seated at God's right hand. So he has authority and he has authority over the Sanhedrin. Wow. They understood exactly what Jesus was saying. And this is where it takes us some time to process the language that Jesus used, the background that they had, things that they were asking. So just, uh, again, there's a lot of background going on that might not show up to us Gentiles who just start reading and we're New Testament believers. And um, so that's why we do these studies, right? What were the three titles used for Jesus in Luke 22, 67 through 70? He is the Christ, the Son of Man, and the Son of God. Luke used those three titles. Jesus said, Son of Man, and uh, did he say Son of God? I know Luke did. Anyway, at the top of page 59. What did the council focus on and decide according to Luke 22, 70-71 and 23-1-2? So the council said that Jesus admitted that he's the Christ, the Messiah, that he's a king. And they, therefore, could accuse him of that. So they led him to Pilate and did accuse him of that. Pilate, he says he's a king, you know, rising up against Rome. We will see more about that when we see how Pilate, um, how the, when they actually talk to Pilate and Pilate talks about it. So we'll be into more of understanding all of that in the next lesson next week. 
we see that Jesus testified boldly to his identity, knowing that it would bring about his death. Wow. Jesus knew what his death would bring. What do you need to know and remember about your sufferings? According to Romans 8, 17 and 18. So I put it in first person. I suffer as an heir of God and joint heir with Christ. So I also just uh, reworded that. I suffer as a member of God's family. And the promise is I will be glorified together with him. And then the perspective is that I remember to remember the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. I'm so thankful for the hope that we have. How can you boldly testify that Jesus is the Son of God, God himself, and our Savior? Don't deny him, right? Don't slander him, right? Keep talking about him. Stick close to him. Abide in him. Uh, Let it show through my life. Love others. Speak truth. Turn from sin. Live in a way that people see the difference. And ask you why. And you can say the name of Jesus. If you want to, you can end just saying that this Matthew 27 one verse is a summary of everything we've discussed in this lesson. When morning came. All the chief priests and elders of the people plotted against Jesus to put him to death. That's what they've been doing in these trials at the temple complex. Uh, It hurts to think about the sufferings that Jesus went through. And at the same time, what joy we know because of what he accomplished for us. So I hope that as we go through these lessons, we will continue to be uh, aware and learning and um, feeling, responding with love for him and thankfulness for what he did by his love and his grace. And I thank you again for leading your groups through your discussion times. That's all.